In a world where all the movies are about superheroes, two friends team up to talk about movies from a simpler time, a time before iPhones. They'll search for deeper meaning, mock things they don't like, and of course, there will be spoilers. Please join Terrence McHenry and Hollis Lazzarini as they get real nostalgic. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're all doing well. Yes, yes. How are you, Terrence? I'm doing really good. Really good. What so, about you? Anything? Oh, new? my gosh. I'm just working on this fence project. Yeah. So it's lots of digging and really dry dirt. Okay. And moving rocks. Nice. And, um, yeah, it's humbling. It's good. You know, it's good to get your hands in the dirt <laughs> and just, you know, move stuff around sometimes because you don't have the money to pay anybody else to help you. <laughs> so you just got to do it. that labor. Yep. <laughs> nice. No, it's good, though. Put it's a little good. hair on your chest, Holly. No. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, man. So... <laughs> So what movie did we watch this week, Terrence? We watched The Blues Brothers. 1980. Yeah, dude, that movie... I was alive. What's that? I'm alive now on the timeline. You're alive? Yeah, Oh, yes, I see. Okay, yes, yes, I got you. Here we are. Here we are, yes. <laughs> How old I'm was there. Terrence? Let's uh, see. We got to put you on there. Eight. Okay. Yeah, eight. Right. Eight. And it was a good time at eight because that music was awesome. Like, oh, yeah. So easy to dance to and so fun and just so upbeat and you know what I mean? Like all of the music in this movie was just awesome. Like it really it's, is. And it's music that I would listen to just on my own without watching the movie. Even today I was uh, I watched the Blues Brothers again today and uh, I watched the music. there's on the other the other side there's a bonus thing. There's also just the musical parts of the movie. And so really? you can see each of just the musical scenes. Oh, yes. that's awesome. Yeah, and so I watched that too. It was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. All right, so let's get through the details. Yes, yes. Uh, directed by John Landis. Yep. Written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis. Yep. As you were just telling me about the super-sized screenplay from Dan Aykroyd yeah. and Jan Land or John Landis, he was instrumental in just coming in and trimming that down into a manageable script. Yeah, no doubt. Script. Like, took it from like 350 pages down to like 120 because this was Dan Aykroyd's first attempt at writing a screenplay. And yeah. He just put so much detail into it. Like, he wanted to explain the going after each of the musical characters that they were going after, and he felt like he needed to put all that detail in to make it make sense. And so I, he just wrote away. But what one of the things they said was that he was just a brilliant writer. And though it all seemed like gibberish, it really made a whole lot of sense. I guess they even considered doing a two-part. I mean, this yeah. this film, when it was in theaters, did screen with an intermission, with mm -hmm. a 30-minute intermission. Yeah. But they were contemplating making it two separate films, mm -hmm. which now is so standard. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it's not a trilogy nowadays, you're just like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was, I think it was a little riskier, mm -hmm. um, especially this being something that was coming from a television show a skit mm -hmm. snl skit for sure actually a little further than that it's, it started with with john belushi and dan Aykroyd kind of meeting because he was in canada doing like some type of recruitment for um like like i guess like for second city i think which was a chicago 
kind of based comedy like sketch really thing that they were doing and so they kind of met and i i don't know if they knew each other or not but probably knew of each other and then dan Aykroyd introduced him into kind of like the blues scene oh, that's you know so cool. dan, uh john belushi was more medley like loved that kind of music but um Dan Aykroyd introduced him to this kind of bluesy. He had like a speakeasy that he had. And so he was doing Saturday Night Live and he had this speakeasy and he was doing these other things. And he was saying at the point he was flush with with cash. He had like cash in the walls because he had this speakeasy and all this stuff. And, and it was just, it was something that kind of got introduced. And then him and Paul Schaefer, which I had no idea about that, about him even being involved in the kind of the making of this movie. And somebody else were saying, you guys should put a band together. You really should put a band together. Like you guys would be awesome together and you you should call it the Blues Brothers. Wow. And it kind of went from there and then wow. became a skit and then they actually toured. They, they made an album. They actually have a couple albums, yeah. I think. Um, and sold tons of fucking records like yeah put this band together like truly put this band together and made music and then made a movie like from a skit to the movie to music like wow that's and really then cool. not only that even other after the fact after belushi died other members of other bands would come in and be like the front person like with with Dan Aykroyd and they would do shows like it's been a long time but like yeah yeah it's like crazy this whole grand scheme of things oh that's really great yeah I like that story yeah yeah uh John Belushi was nicknamed the black hole during filming because he went through hundreds of pairs of sunglasses during production oh really apparently they would cut and it wouldn't even be seconds and his sunglasses were just gone (laughs) (laughs) He's the black hole. Okay. And according to Dan Aykroyd, cocaine was included in the film's budget to help the cast and crew stay awake during the night shoots. Wow. There was a scene that I saw um, on the backside of the DVD that I have, and John Landis was talking about a moment where him and John Belushi had gotten into an argument. And they got into an argument because John Landis, Landis, excuse me, threw away a whole bunch of cocaine and it really pissed John Belushi off. And so they went outside and they're having this full blown argument and he's in full costume, um, as you know, Joliet Jake and John Belushi throws his thumb out to hitchhike and a car does like a full U-turn like, Pulls over and goes, John Belushi, dude, like blah, blah, blah. John Belushi jumps in the front seat of the car. Some kid driving jumps in the front seat of the car and he tells him to take him to some hotel. And John Belushi drove off. And wow, there was even other scenes where they were like, uh, where's John at? Couldn't find John. Couldn't find John. And some of the like people that are there, like they were like, oh, he walked over into that neighborhood. And... So he goes looking for him. Finally, he says, they are like, oh, he went over there. They go to this house. He knocks on the door. The guy tells him that John Belushi comes up, knocks on the door, says, I'm hungry and I'm tired. You know who I am, right? 
He goes inside, makes himself a sandwich, eats the sandwich, and then goes, can I crash on your couch? And then falls asleep on the guy's couch. Only John Perfect Belushi. stranger. Only, only John. Only John yeah, Belushi. Fully. Especially in the time, too. He yeah. was so recognized, so... Yeah. yeah. I would have let him in. I would have been like, dude, have at my fridge. Right. Please have every whatever you want. For real. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's probably so many stories. Oh, man. Like so many, I'm sure. Dang. So many. Well, so the legend, John Belushi, mm. plays... What what was the other one? Juliet? Joliet Jake. Joliet That's Jake his, yeah, his Blues. theatrical name is Joliet Jake. And we meet him... The day he's coming out of prison. Yes. And we actually don't see his face until he gets all his gear on. Mm-hmm. Gotta have the hat mm-hmm. and the tie and the suit and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Well, you see his side views. Yeah, but yeah. you never see him direct. Yeah. I guess there's only a couple scenes. There's one with Dan Aykroyd when he doesn't have his sunglasses on. Uh-huh. That's when he's giving notice at, at his job. Okay. But for pretty much throughout the entire film, they never take their sunglasses off. Yeah. I think John Belushi might once. He does when uh, he's dealing with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. He has the, she has him down in the, the hole with, with Elwood. And she's a terrible shot throughout this oh whole movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, Unbelievable. But he takes his glasses off to woo her. Yes. But what's funny is he knew he would. Right. He knew. He said it because he says it. He's like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess those are the two exceptions. His uh, brother Elwood mm-hmm. is ready, picking him up out of jail. Yep. Or prison. Yes, it wasn't prison. jail. It was prison. And from there, we just go on this long road trip. That right there is the first song of the musical. It's uh, I Got the Katie. Hmm. Make me amuse a ride. And that's when they're driving in the, I, I, I know I'm, butchering the song so i apologize to to whoever wrote it but that's the very first song that starts the musical and they're driving in the car you know they're kind of silent at first and then all of a sudden you know he's like what's this like what's this car oh yeah you know and he's like what are you talking about he's like it's the car he's like where's the caddy where's the blues mobile and he traded it for a microphone yeah which he at that point at that point he he kind of processes it and says all right, I can get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I thought that was awesome. Like, I thought you'd, you'd think he'd be more pissed about it. He's like, all right, I, I can get that. Because you, know, but... you can't sacrifice the quality of the microphone. No, not at all. It's not a great all. argument. Yep. So the first chuckle for me out of this film was when they do go to see the penguin. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in those old school desk chairs. Yeah. Those chairs that we used to have in school. But they I don't have think the they have them like that. the desk and the seat yeah, it's all joined. attached one thing. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, I don't think. And when she's like, come closer. And they pick it up and they hop forward. Yeah. We Who didn't do that? Uh, all the time. In that in those things. All the time. Just almost like in the face of like, you knew what your teacher wanted you to do. And you're like, mm. I'm not doing I think, that. Like, I think honestly, John Belushi was too big to get out of it like that. So I think <laughs> he had to. <laughs> no disrespect to the dead. I loved him. He was awesome. I think he does a lot of stuff himself too. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I, I really do. I've always thought that he was one of those kind of physical, physical yeah. comedians. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I almost, sometimes I, I'm sure he didn't do the, the backflips, but sometimes I wonder if maybe he at least started with the cartwheel and then they threw, like... I'm a vote no. <laughs> if you notice, though, throughout the whole movie, he's got soul, he's got rhythm, oh, he yeah. can move. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's not agile enough because... 
he was oh. on it and he wasn't a dancer but he felt music you know what i mean and you you saw that he had rhythm and you saw that he could dance to the beat of music yeah 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 i think you could do a cartwheel but the whole reason that they even kind of start on on this or start out on this journey is mm -hmm. because the orphanage they were raised in is in financial straits gonna, well yeah they're gonna the the church isn't backing them for some reason they feel like they can sell it and maybe make a little money off of it and they have to do it legit legit because the nun won't the the the, the penguin the nun won't have it any other way she doesn't want their filthy stolen money no and that's when it all begins because john or uh, ellie uh, excuse me Juliet jake doesn't mince his words even in front of the penguin the nun that raised him you know what i mean like mm -hmm. He was like, well, then I guess you're up shit creek. And that's when the, the ruler starts swinging. Yeah. And then Elwood gets in and doesn't mean to, but he starts throwing out his customers and she's just going to work on them with that, that yardstick until it breaks. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. run down to what I assume is like the basement of this church mm -hmm. for some, some safety and comfort from, yes. from an old friend. Yes, yes, no doubt. Who got them into blues. Yes. I think he suggests that they they go to church. Mm -hmm. He did, and to uh, Reverend Cleophas was that his name? Yeah, I believe so. Again, James I could Brown. be wrong. Yeah, Cleophas. They're not like outsiders, but they they don't just sit down with the congregation. No, they, they have to just stand in the back the time, in yeah. the aisle way. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, I think does the music start before the light shines down? Yes. <laughs> Yes, there's one of the things that I loved about that scene is in this whole movie, most things are done on playback. So what that means is that the artists are lip syncing mm -hmm. these songs. There was a problem with that, with this movie, yeah. because so many artists don't do songs the same way ever. You know what I mean? So they may perform it tonight like this. Tomorrow night they perform it, and it's the gist of the song is the same, but there may be other parts that are different. So they had difficulties with with Aretha Franklin scene with yeah. the um, Think and um, difficulties with Ray, Ray Charles's scene. All of them they had difficulties with just because of the fact that they can't typically do these scenes the same because they never do the songs the same. Yeah. Um, they really couldn't do that with James Brown. So what they did with them is the choreography, like all the, the, the choir, excuse me, mm -hmm. they did playback with them. So the choir is not really singing at that time when he's doing his thing. The choir's all on playback. They're just up there, you know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Like just mouthing. He had to be live. Okay. They filmed him live. He was the only one of all the music scenes that they actually filmed live. And why because, would you wanna why would you want to put restraint on James Brown anyway? Well, they couldn't because that he can't That's he what I mean. Yeah, it's like you, Yeah. It's like trying to stop and a, a freight train. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jake gets the light of God. Yes. Shines shine down, right upon down upon him. him. Yes. Right in the church. Yes. And he just fills him with the spirit. Yep. And the next thing you know, he's doing backflips up and down the center aisleway of this church. Boogieing. Up there getting his boogie on with that, with all the churchgoers and the people up there that are dancing to Elwood's him. up there. Elwood gets the feeling once he once once uh, Jake comes back and explains to him, he's like, the band, the band. And all of a sudden, Elwood feels it and he understands, you know, at least what John's feeling. I don't know that he's totally sold at that point yet right. because, you know, then he, he, you know, at least 
he's at that point becomes honest with him. And he's like, you know, I got a few leads on the guys, you know, I bullshitted you, you know, to keep you going while you were in there. Yeah. But yeah, at that point, he kind of sees where where Jake is kind of going with it at that point. But Jake's the one that sees the lie. But I think Jake was the one that needed Jesus the most. <laughs> Probably. You know, J- Elwood was a hard worker. You know, he he went to work every day. He, he Although he almost seemed transient because he did live in like a transient hotel. Yeah, he's he's got his own issues. For sure. But like of the two of them, I think. Jake was the one that needed it the most. They leave the church. Mm-hmm. We're going to go after the first band members. Yeah. And they get pulled over. Yeah. And he's like, oh, crap. Jake's like, well, what, what's the big deal? And he's like, uh, you know, kind of got this issue. Got, uh, some traffic violations, parking yeah. tickets, whatever. All that stuff, yeah. Instead of getting arrested right then, they take off. And as the police, it was like one of the first big turns that they make around this street. Mm-hmm. And Elwood's like, they're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. God. Yeah. Along this chase, they kind of come to a point where it's like, crap, we don't have anywhere to go. And Elwood just drives them directly into a mall. Yes. Parking lot first. And then Jake says, you got us in this this parking lot. You need to get us out of here. And Elwood says, you want me to get us out of here? And he's like, all right. And he drives right in through the mall. They actually found this mall that had been abandoned for like a year mm-hmm. and rebuilt it like pretty much verbatim. I think it was like 131 stores in this mall. And they had certain stores that they could crash and certain stores that they couldn't crash. But these stores all came out and built and styled these stores like... Right. Yeah, like they were supposed to be. And they're just ripping through this mall in random fashion from Mm -hmm. my perspective. Like at certain points, just intentionally just driving into things because, I don't know, screw capitalism, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Um, All the people that were like running in the malls, those were all like the stunt people. Like, and they had so many. Crazy. Well, they actually, they got sued after the fact about the mall. Did you hear, did you read that? No, I did not. Apparently... When everything was wrapped, I think it was like a year later, they got sued for $84,000 because the mall said they didn't know that that's what they were going to do and that they needed to restore it. And they ended up winning the lawsuit, not the mall, but the the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like a year later, they just tore the whole thing down. Crazy. They destroyed that mall. They destroyed a gas station. They destroyed a transient hotel. Oh, right. They destroyed. What else did they destroy? All the cars they did, like the the legal the building where they uh, where they went to go pay the taxes, like they just destroyed so much stuff. But they always are unscathed, mm-hmm. and so much of the destruction is really being is is literally a person following them around. That is um, her character's name is the mystery woman, mm-hmm. played by Carrie Fisher. Yes, she was the guest on the first time that the Blues Brothers performed on SNL. Oh, okay, that's cool. So I thought that was a cool. They must that must have been why nice yeah, yeah. little tie-in, and like you said before, the worst shot ever. The worst with some of the most like sophisticated weaponry of the time, and she yeah. can't take these guys out. It nope. doesn't matter. The nope. first time it was just a gun, I think, and she. No, it's not. It's more than a gun. The first one is a rocket launcher. (laughs) And I think it's like, I think it shoots, she shoots more rockets than the rocket launcher really held because it only had like three openings and it shot like five or six rockets. Impossible. A, B, that kind of rocket would have blew the windows 
out of her car because she like shot it from inside of her car like but yeah again worst shot ever but i think it was all because god intervenes he intervenes at so many times in this movie and helps them in situations that should not have happened for them Mm -hmm. elwood and jake don't seem to be phased by the fact that someone's trying to kill them Mm mm-hmm they just brush it off. I mean, cement is falling all around their ears. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And they just kind of like move it out of the way and walk yeah. through the door. And they go into Elwood's small, teeny room. tiny, yeah. not even a room. It's it's like a YMCA. I actually stayed in a YMCA for about six months. I hope your room was bigger than that. No, it was not Goodness. really. Yeah. At that point, they go, what, to uh, the easiest guys to to recruit mm-hmm. back into the band yep. who were playing at some abandoned holiday inn. They're not doing yeah. anything. Disco night. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. As like... soon as they say, we're getting the band back together, I'm in. Yes. Get me out of here. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> yes. And they all are like, well, it's going to be a real tough time getting the rest of those guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your plan is. Yeah. I hope it's a good one. Yeah. So who was next on the list? Next on the list was the Mater D. So the next one was... Wasn't he like the horn man? Or what, yes. did he play the sax or something? Yes, he was the horn man. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he was the next one at Shea Paul, the, the restaurant. Oh, yeah, the soul food the soul food restaurant. No, 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 the, the, the fancy restaurant. And when they walk in, he's like, I thought you got five years and you're on the phone with a client that's trying to make a reservation. And he actually, there's one point where the the person whoever he's talking to asks him if Mayor Daly still dines there. And he said Mayor Daly does not dine there anymore because he's dead. But one of the things about making this movie was this was one of the first movies in a long time that had been filmed in Chicago because Mayor Daly would not allow films to be filmed in Chicago like that. Oh. And so once he died, they were able to film this movie and make this movie. Crazy. Yeah. From that scene, though, when they're sitting there and they're disrupting the entire dinner experience for mm-hmm. the other patrons, mm-hmm. for the rest of the time, because they said, uh, they just smell so bad. Yeah. I couldn't forget that yeah. for the rest of the movie. And I just thought every single place that they go, because they never change their suits. Nope. And I'm thinking, they must be ripe. Yeah, like super ripe. In that scene, there's just, in this movie, there's just so many people that are in this movie. And in the restaurant, one of the first people that they encounter is Paul Rubin, Pee Wee Herman. Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that. No? Uh-uh. Oh my God, I can't believe that you didn't realize really? that. Really? He's the first, and he says that he wants their finest bottle of champagne. And he goes, we have a Dom Perignon 19 blah, blah, blah. It's $120. He's like, that's fine, pal. It's the first person that they encounter. It's John Belushi talking to Paul Rubin. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, the next one is uh, Matt Guitar Murphy and the the saxophone player guy. I can't remember his name. They're at the Soul Food Restaurant. They're at the Soul Food Restaurant. Okay. My favorite thing about this entire film was all the musical numbers. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So that's how I'm tracking things in my mind is like when do we get to the next musical number (laughs) because this one was think by Uh, aretha franklin yes you know in that scene they actually had to hire uh in a few scenes actually almost all the dance scenes they used amateurs for the dance scenes okay um because john belushi and dan Aykroyd were not dancers 
so they couldn't put them amidst like a lot of the professional dancers something to that effect the only one where they were was the church all those were professional dancers like even the um shake your tail feather all Mm -hmm. those people were like casting call i think they did it through like radio station i think they worked well yeah it looked really good it It looked super choreographed so they had them out there doing their damn thing yeah yeah Unfortunately, Aretha wasn't very convincing. No, he left. But I think she was not as like let it go as you made as she made it seem like it would be. I think if Matt Guitar Murphy returned home that night, she would have took him back in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he had to show her that he was he was the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he goes. He goes. He goes. He goes. Yep. Which is kind of amazing because it must just be for the love of the band because they don't know that anything is really going to come of it. No, they don't even, at this point, they don't even really know that, that they're doing this band back together for a reason. They, Because uh, Jake and Elwood have not told them that it's to get the money back to or the, get to, to get the money to save the school that they grew up in as orphans. Right. So they, at this point, the band thinks they're doing it for monetary reasons to get paid to do shows. Yeah. And it's not it's not true at this point. They actually end up getting paid to do the show because the guy that wants to sign them and and record for them gives them 10 grand. And that wasn't even the money that they would have gotten from the show. So they got 10 grand for the signing bonus for the guy that wanted to record them. And then they packed that house, which meant if that 5,000 at $2 a piece was another $10,000. Right. So the the band ended up getting money from this, but in the beginning or very at the very end, when Cab Calloway comes out and they're gonna do Minnie the Moocher, mm-hmm. he tells them that they're doing this and that the the Blues Brothers are donate, donating the band's portion to pay for the taxes for the the orphanage at Calumet City. Yeah, and they were like, "What?" <laughs> and it's already at this point where they're doing the biggest show that they're about to do. One of my favorite scenes was when they are headed to meet up with somebody and there's this huge traffic jam and they don't know what's going on and they kind of hear the the information kind of cycles back to them and they Mm -hmm. go, wait, it's Nazis? And they look at each other and he's like, God, I hate Illinois Nazis. (laughs) And they just completely go off the road, sidestep. Nobody does anything. No, the best part, too, is that the police go a tin hut. And open right up for this car to go through and go up onto the bridge where the where the Nazis are. Did not try to stop them at all. No, and then they're in the middle of this stupid ass pledge that they're making, mm-hmm. like some nonsense rhetoric. And they notice that here comes Jake and Elwood, and mm-hmm. they are not stopping. And so they all just jump off the bridge into the water, and it was just great. Yes, it was a nice yes, visual. It was. They had to jump off, or they would have got hit. Exactly. And Elwood actually sped up toward them because at first they were going to try to hold their ground like they were tough, and Elwood stepped right on that gas, and they had to go over the bridge. It was awesome. But then the funny part is, it's also unbelievable. Like they drove up on them, like took off on them, and the guy tells them, "I want you to get that license plate." Like. You couldn't have seen it from There's that no way. far away. I know, that annoyed me, actually. Yeah. I was like, there's no way they got that license plate. <laughs> but they do acquire, basically, like three different uh, uh, groups of people who are after them. Yes, They've got the cops after them. Sure. They've got, you know, the Nazis after them. Mm-hmm. Then they get the, the good old boys after them. Who... Yeah, can we talk about the scene at the bar for a second? Okay. Because... How in the world could a band perform with shards of glass literally breaking in their face? Yeah. Does 
are were there places like this? Like, uh, you, it must have. They I'm must sure have had places like they this. They had places like that with the cages. But they're of... so close to the cage, and mm-hmm. I'm like flinching every oh, yeah. time that the glass is just flying towards them. Oh yeah, and they did that whole show on three songs. Three songs. Three songs, and the people loved it. Stand by your man. What was the other one? The rawhide, rawhide and uh, <laughs> sometimes it's hard. To be a woman. That's Stand By That's Your Man. That's mm-hmm. They did Rawhide twice. Yeah. Because they tried I, to just do one of their songs. That did not that, go that well. That did not go well at, at all. all. Yeah. So they make enemies of the band that was supposed to play. Mm-hmm. They don't make any damn money. No. They drank they it all away. They owed money. I, they yep. owed 100 bucks. Yep. Because they were supposed to get 200 for the show. They drank $300 worth of beer. I worked out the inflation calculator, which I'm going to start doing more. Okay. So in today's money, they would have racked up a, so they would have owed him $300. That $100 translates to about three today. Although although I would be really pissed off getting Mm -hmm. stiff for any kind of money like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. He's like, well, the barmaid didn't charge us at first, so we thought, you know, it was free for the band. He's like, no. <laughs> That's cute. No. <laughs> um, and then also, I loved the Ray Charles scene. I did too. It's, it's my favorite scene. It was my favorite it too. Really, it's really so was. great. Mm-hmm. The dancing out on the sidewalk and just oh. him playing the piano. It was great. Oh, yeah. And it was like, even like the scene where it all starts when they go in and the little kid comes in and tries to steal the guitar and he yeah. pulls a gun and puts two in the wall, like close, like, you know what I mean? It was like he could see, yeah. you know what I mean? And then when they're talking shit about his his uh, his piano or his keyboard, he comes out and even before he steps up on the one dude, he's like, excuse me, excuse me, like, and pushes him out of the way. And he's like... There's nothing wrong with this axe. Like, this thing has so much play. And he gets on and it bangs. And it's it's just a really, really cool scene. I love that scene. Yeah. Oh, Carrie Fisher, obviously, is the uh, the other one who, the assailant who just keeps trying. Mm-hmm. She, like you said, rocket launcher. A the, scorn. Yeah. Yes. Um, she tries to blow them up when they're in a phone booth. They yeah, just kind of rocket into the. It's a flamethrower. She hits them with the flamethrower, but the. The phone booth is right next to a propane tank, mm-hmm. and that rockets them up into the air. Which they definitely should have been hurt by, but as you said. For sure, but then they found protected. like $7 of change. So. Divinely protected. <laughs> Divinely protected. That's right. Yep. And they make it. They do. They make it to the big show. They get it all together, which is impressive mm-hmm. because at the beginning, you don't you don't know if these two guys can do that. Mm-hmm. You know if they can pull it out of their hat, but yep. they do. You know, like you, you kept you kept saying earlier how um, Elwood kept saying this, uh, we're on a mission from God. And so there's the scene where he says that to Aretha Franklin. And she says, don't you blaspheme in here. Don't you blaspheme in here. <laughs> and then later on, when they're promoting the show, Cab Calloway has the little kids going out and, you know, promoting the show also and trying to get people to put the posters up in their store windows and one of the kids goes to Aretha Franklin's soul food restaurant and asks her to put the win- the the sign up in the window and she sees that the Blues Brothers are actually doing something for a good reason mm-hmm. so she sees that and so that's why I also said that I don't think she was actually going to leave Matt Guitar Murphy. Yeah, she was just talking tough. Yeah, she actually did see that it was that they truly were on a mission from God. Yeah. Yeah. 
they're completely late for their show because mm-hmm. of all of this chaos that's all following them around. Stuff, yes. And they've got Cab Calloway helping them out, extending the song Minnie the Moocher as mm-hmm. long as he possibly can. Yes. Does a great job. Does a great job. I love that song. It's a great song. It really is. It's it's really cute when they're when they're sneaking in to the music, mm-hmm. like they're like moving to yes. the to the beat. It's very like Looney Tunesy. Totally. You know I mean? Yeah, very. Yeah, and when they finally get in there, they really kill it. They do. Well, it's funny. This the crowd was very stern at first. Like they came out and they did. They were gonna rock it from jump. You know what I mean? They they had their their routine out. They came out doing their thing. And that crowd was just stern. And when they stopped and they were like expecting the crowd to lose their shit, they were just like, mm. yeah, like, no, you haven't got us yet. But they they pushed on. They did. They went to the next song. And that was uh, everybody needs somebody to love. The people couldn't help it. After yep. a while, you find them just like clapping and getting into it and moving with it. And once they got them going, it was the it was over at that point. They killed that show. Yeah, they really did. And I loved like I loved the the camaraderie between him and you know I mean uh, Elwood and and Jake on stage, you know dancing yes, yes. and singing together and and just doing their things with the band and I, I just loved it. I, this movie I've seen so many times and one of those movies that I love and every once in a while I just break out and I watch. Um, it's just one of those movies that bring back my childhood and and I just pop it in every once in a while and just make me feel nostalgic. Well, I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. It and... makes me wait. It makes oh. me feel real nostalgic. Real nostalgic? <laughs> Good. <laughs> And we are doing what we're supposed to That's do. Right. <laughs> You're pulling it together. Branding. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I, I as I told you, you know, there was there was points in the film for me where I was kind of like, oh gosh, you know, I wish they could kind of like move it along mm-hmm. a little bit. But I'm not gonna lie. Every single musical number, I'm sitting there tapping my foot. Oh yeah. I'm chair dancing. Oh, I, yeah. And it was so good. It was oh, yeah. so much fun. One of my other favorites was the John Lee Hooker scene. Oh, I love the song "Boom Boom." Are you yeah, kidding me? they're banging in, and at the end, he's talking about how he wrote it, and his buddy's like, "No, he didn't." And they like fully having a fight. Like, yeah. And the fight goes on even to the fact after that, you know, um, the Blues Brothers have made the deal with Ray and the music, and they're coming back outside, and they're still out there fighting over who wrote this song right like that was one of my favorite scenes and i think that's like a legit argument really yes okay i didn't know yeah (laughs) like there's some dispute about who wrote boom boom oh okay i did not know that Mm -hmm. okay i thought that was just part of the script i mean unless i'm just did i dream it i don't know it's crazy i hope so (laughs) yeah someone will just tell me i'm wrong it'll be fun (laughs) oh and then one other little thing about the audience Mm -hmm. at the final show those were actual authentic Blues Brother fans. Yes. And so I thought, what a great thing. The way that they made this film, especially what you were telling me about, just kind of like pulling people in that weren't weren't professional dancers, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It has a feel to it that is just fun. And, and it's because these extras, they don't have to pretend. They really love the Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And the only time they're pretending is when, they're, when, when they, they have, have stern face. Yeah. And I... I don't know that I'm sure I heard it, but I could have sworn they said this movie cost like $27 million to make. Oh, I forgot to look that up. And I was like, oh, then I wondered what the movie itself brought in. But 
over the long run, I'm sure that move this movie is a cult classic and it's mm-hmm. f- had to have fully made its money back and then some. But I wonder how it did in the the box office. I was hoping. You'd yeah, I that. didn't. I didn't. I'll I'll try to do that okay. weekly. I'm sorry to call you out on that. <laughs> it's okay. There's all kinds of things I haven't done consistently. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, it was a good time. It really was. Some of those old movies that I that I know that I watched from my childhood and that as a younger you know kid or younger adolescent that I thought were like good movies or really liked the concept of and then I see again now and I'm just like that was horrible mm-hmm. like just so terrible. This is not one of those movies and it's music that's catchy for anybody. Yeah. We didn't even uh, talk about the fact so after the show they get the deal. Mm-hmm. They're able to pay off that five thousand yes. dollar tax. It was a tax lien, I believe, yes. on the church. Mm-hmm. And as they're stamping the stamper that it's been received and giving them the receipt, is when the cops roll in and they arrest both of them. Take the cuffs, put them on them. Yeah, give them the bracelets. But they are redeemed. Yes. And then, and then the final scene is them performing in jail, mm-hmm. singing Jailhouse Rock with the whole crew. And the whole band and no one seems upset, no. you know, and so it was another one of those things that, that you know, it's almost like this other redemption that happens for them. Mm-hmm. And and they're just they're cool with it. They are. They are. They, they've redeemed themselves. Like you said, they saved the church. They saved the kids. They saved the two people that raised them yep. from losing their jobs. And they did what they had to do to do it. Like in the whole in the money part of it was legit. Everything else Maybe not so legit, right? But the end, the money part of it was legit, and so yeah, they fully redeemed themselves, and I think they felt good about that. And even the fact that they were in jail wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good pick, Terrence. Thank you. Thank you. I it's, enjoyed that. I did too. I'm gonna watch it again probably pretty soon. Yeah, it's always fun to see stuff that like that you have never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that tack, there, I'm, okay. I'm just gonna. I believe you said you didn't watch this movie. Now, I'm not saying that this is a great movie. Okay. But it is from my childhood. Okay, what is it? The Neverending Story. The ne- <laughs> I have not seen it. <laughs> I really need you to put yourself in the proper place and, and just kind of try to connect with seven-year-old Terrence seven when you watch this movie. Terrence. Because was, let me tell you, seven-year-old Terrence was pretty awesome. He really was. Okay, I <laughs> believe that. I think there's some things that seven-year-old Terrence would be like, that's pretty cool, okay. but it's going to be cheesy. I've heard that this movie is also very dark. and it, it has darker elements, just like a lot of the films that when I, when I look back and I'm like, I watched this as a kid and it's mm-hmm. really dark, mm-hmm. but it was made for kids. Okay. And I think that... You know, kids can handle more than maybe we think that they can. I mean, this movie did not traumatize me. I haven't seen it for a really long time. So I'm anticipating maybe what you were just speaking to of like, why did I like this movie so much as a kid? You know, what was it? I know I know that my favorite elements of it, but we'll see. But I cannot (laughs) wait to hear what you think about it. Because sometimes when you see a movie that was made for kids as an adult, Mm -hmm. it's just you, you might just be like, oh, but who knows? Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Well, uh. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Yes, yes. We appreciate you always. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you again for downloading. We hope you liked it. Real Nostalgic is produced by Hollis Lazzarini with additional support from me, Terrence McHenry. Our logo was designed by Carissa Westfall. Please check out our website, realnostalgic.com. Like, share, subscribe, and write to us. We'd love to hear from you.